Love Talk Radio. Love it. 
And uh, like I shared last week, I had an amazing opportunity to actually talk to Mandisa the other day and to, to write an article on her. It was so cool. I love that. So anyway, I was rocking with it. But I'm back now. I'm with you on The Right Voice. I'm Adrian Ross. I'm your host. And I'm glad you joined us. Happy Groundhog Day, by the way. Uh, we found out from Punk to Tawny Phil this morning that we are having an early spring. That seems so appropriate because we're having such a mild, mild season. Uh, well, some of us are anyway. So happy Groundhog Day to you. The phone number for the right voice is 646-200-3715, 646-200-3715 if you choose to call in. Want to remind you also that we are on social media. We are on Twitter and we are on Facebook. Find us on Facebook at The Right Voice Radio. That is The Right Voice Radio. And on Twitter at The Right Voice One. I need you to go over there, hit us up over there so that you know what's going on with The Right Voice. All right? So going over there right now, all it takes is a click. And you'll be glad you did. Tell your friends about it. We got a lot of good things going on. Don't want you to miss out on it. All right? Okay. So let's hit it because there's so much going on. So much uh, has happened since we were on the air last Tuesday. A lot has transpired. Right? So we do have that packed show tonight. Uh, since we, we were together last week, we had another Republican presidential debate. That was on Thursday. It was the last one before the Iowa caucuses, all right? The Iowa caucuses, of course, uh, took place yesterday, last night. Uh, but that debate was interesting because that was the first debate where we didn't have the, the GOP frontrunner, Donald Trump, participating in it. And uh, that was kind of interesting. We, we understand that, that Mr. Trump had an, an issue with Fox Fox News and an issue with Megyn Kelly, didn't want her to moderate after after he felt that she she had uh, an agenda the last time and they were button heads the last time and so he didn't want her there and Fox didn't comply and uh, and then he took uh, issue with the way they handled the situation. So he said, you know what, I'm not participating. I will instead uh, do an event, a fundraiser for our veterans, which he did and raised uh, six million million dollars, which was wonderful for our our veterans. Now I did speak out on that. I felt that that Donald Trump should have shown up for for that that debate. Um, you know, it's there in Iowa. It's you know, it's the first in the nation uh, caucus there, and uh, you know, Iowans have this this concept, I guess, that, that, that you're supposed to get there and get to know them and spend time with them. And, and, and the debate is part of the process. Now, I I went off on, on Rand Paul because he didn't show up for one of the debates because he felt like he should should not have been in the undercard debate. And so I, I felt like it would have been hypocritical for me to, to uh, ex, excuse Donald Trump. Yeah, I thought he should have been there. And there are people who disagree with me, and they felt that he was doing the more important thing. He was raising money for veterans. Here's my thought on that. We can uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. There was no reason in my mind where Don, that Donald Trump could not have participated in the debate and raised money for the veterans the day before or the day after. So, um, you know, I'm grateful that he raised money, $6 million. You know, God bless our veterans. Uh, we, we love them. We appreciate them. At the same time, do the debate 
and raise money another day. I mean, it's really not that difficult. But he chose not to. And uh, so, anyway, that was that was last Thursday. And, of course, uh, last night we had the Iowa caucuses. Um, and after the caucuses, we had two candidates drop out. We had Martin O'Malley, who was running on the, on the Democrat side. He got out. And we have, of course, uh, Governor Mike Huckabee on the Republican side, and he dropped out. We also had that nail-biter in the Democrat race between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders fighting it out. She managed to squeak by. But I can't imagine that she's feeling very, very good. I mean, she's feeling good that she, you know, has been declared the winner. But, but my goodness, she is, uh, you know, she was supposedly the heiress apparent and, and you know, this is her time and, and all that. And yet she barely made it past a self-proclaimed socialist. So, but, you know, it's interesting there. I learned something. I, you know, I didn't realize that you could determine the winner when you have a tie based on tossing a coin. So I think there were like six precincts where they where where she had to, we had to have this coin toss and she won all of them. I mean, I'm thinking this is America. Surely we can come up with a more, uh, a better plan, a more creative plan than tossing a coin. But I learned something. I guess that's how we we roll. Kind of interesting, or I guess that's how we toss. Whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Well, let's talk about the GOP and the results of the Iowa caucuses. Cruz won. Senator Ted Cruz won with 28 percent. Donald Trump, the front, the front runner, came in second, 24%, and Senator Marco Rubio, third place, with 23%. Then we had a drop, Carson, fourth, uh, fourth place, 9%, Rand Paul with 4.5%, Bush with 3 Fiorina with about 2 Kasich with 2 um, Huckabee with about 2 Chris Christie about 2 Santorum, 1%, and Gilmore, 0%. Uh, so that is, uh, that's interesting. So focusing on the top three, of course, again, Cruz, Trump, and, and Rubio. And I guess by all accounts, people expected that, that Trump would, would trump all, but he came in, in, in second, second place. And you know, one of the things, one of my takeaways is how interesting this is. Think about it. Go back to four years ago when, uh, won the Iowa caucuses. That was just four years ago, and Huckabee won in 2008. And it's like Santorum, I mean, he came in last or second to last, second to Gilmore, and he won four years ago. And then you have Huckabee, who was, you know, who was beloved among evangelicals and, you know, Iowa and, and, and its strong evangelical base, and look how, you know, he's out. And so you have to say, man, even though it was just four years ago or seven years ago, years ago, it's eons ago in terms of the political climate. You can't compare where we are now with where we were then. There's a whole different mindset in the electorate right now, which would probably explain why Trump is leading the pack uh, in terms of the polling. Now, Cruz, think about it. Cruz went against ethanol subsidies. You know, the Iowa governor opposed him. The establishment is certainly not in his camp, and yet he still won. 
he still won. And people didn't think he would. So many people didn't think he would. But but we, he did have a major ground game in Iowa. He went to all 99 counties. There's something to be said for working your tail off. And he did. And then we have Donald Trump, whom many expected to be first. I threw it out on social media yesterday. Who do you think will win the Iowa caucuses? I said, don't tell me who you want to win. Don't tell me whether you care if they win. Just tell me who you think will win. And most people said Trump, though some did say Cruz. Trump came in second. And afterwards, he was very sedate, very subdued. Uh, He he was uh, very humble in his remarks. I'm sure he didn't like it. He was very transparent. And he had told us along the way that he wanted to win Iowa. He did not. Rubio gave a speech at the end of coming in third place as if he won the whole thing. I'm trying to figure out why his speech sounded like he had won. Um, but Rubio overperformed, and uh, and so that third place meant a lot to him, you know. So um, there we had Cruz, Trump, Rubio, and very close between Trump and Rubio. But here's a question that I have. Why is Gilmore still in the race? Huckabee's out, Gilmore's in, and it's like, you know, if you if you're at like zero percent, I'm not sure who who's who's giving you money, and why you spend people's money. My understanding, I, I think he had 12 votes total, and O'Malley, who dropped out um, against Hillary and Bernie, he had eight votes. You know, of course he got out. He got out. You know, it's interesting too when you look at some of the polling. There's uh, polling in uh, there was polling in Iowa about who shares my values. This was asked of Iowans, who shares my values? And Cruz, who came in first, 38% said Cruz shares their values. Rubio came in second with 21%. And Trump, 5%. Only 5% of Iowans said that Trump shares their values. Why, you know, interesting to me, though, because Trump came in second and Rubio came in third, um, only 5% of the people say that they share the values that Trump has. Interesting. Anyway, let's get back to the uh, to, to the results. It, you know, it's interesting how people have been reacting uh, to the results. Andrea Tantaros from Outnumbered, she and Rich Lowry from uh, National Review went at it today. I mean, you might be able to, ch- you might check that out online. They went at it over, over the, the, the results of the Iowa caucuses. We know that Lowry, you know, where he stands on Trump, doesn't like Trump, but like, you know, try to, they try to get people to, to, you know, give uh, Trump the old heave-ho and, and all that. But she said something that I thought was interesting as he was, you know, saying that Trump, you know, it's a big loss for him and all that, even though he came in second. Andrew said, she said, okay, this is what she said. Third place is a win. Apparently, you know, third place is a win. Second place is a loss. And first place is irrelevant. And then she asked him, how is that logical? Because that's how some people are acting. Like, okay, Rubio came in third, so that's like major, major good. Trump came in second. Oh, my goodness, that's devastating. And then, well, Ted Cruz, you know, that's not, that's not you know, relevant. How, how is that even logical, she said. I thought she made a great point. I thought she made a great point. But anyway, I want to talk briefly uh, about uh, Trump's second place finish, you know, um, he did not have a strong ground game. He didn't pay, spend a lot of money, um, but he didn't participate in the debate. And I, like I said, I thought that he should have. Um, 
And then I just saw him on uh, Fox a few minutes ago, and he said that it's possible that not doing the debate in Iowa had something to do with his second place finish. He said it is possible, but he said he'd do it all over again because he raised $6 million for veterans in one hour. And he said, if I have to take second place and raise that much for veterans, I'd do it again. Here's my point again, though. You can do both. It's not one or the other. He could have raised money for veterans at another time, you know, either either before or, or after. He could have done both. We can, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. All right. We also had, you know, this is not without controversy. We had Carson's campaign accusing Ted Cruz's campaign of dirty tricks. Um, CNN apparently reported that Carson was out of it. And then some Cruz people retweeted this whole thing and did not follow up by saying that that was not true. So now you have caucus goers who think that Carson is out of it. And therefore, obviously, they're going to place their vote somewhere else. So uh, Carson was not at all happy at all, and nobody would be. But uh, Cruz did uh, issue an apology, said it was not on, it was accidental, it was not on, blah, blah, blah. Did it cost, you know, Carson some standing? I don't know. They say he was polling at 9% even before then, and uh, that's where he came out. So in any case, uh, Cruz apologized. We also have uh, Senator Tim Scott, who endorsed Rubio today. So um, there's some other news. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because next week we have New Hampshire. So we're on. I mean, these, they got out of there because the snowstorm was coming. And so they got out of Iowa and they already hitting it, hitting it, um, hitting it wide open in New Hampshire, except Cruz, who I guess just decided to go on to South Carolina. We'll see how that works for him. Uh, but I want to move into to something else. I want to focus quite a bit on on uh, on Donald Trump. As I said, today is Groundhog Day. And the title of this show is, Is Donald Trump the Groundhog Day Candidate? Is he the Groundhog Day Candidate? What I mean by that is, if you've seen the movie Groundhog Day, you know that Bill Murray's character, Phil, wakes up in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and it's always February 2nd, Groundhog Day. And it's like doing the same thing over and over and over, you know? And I noticed with this whole Donald Trump phenomenon that there are these two factions, these two mindsets. You have supporters on one end who say that Donald Trump is the new face of politics. He's the non-politician. He's politically incorrect. He is going to get the job done. He is results-oriented. He's our way forward. But then you have people who have said that this is like Groundhog Day. It's like we're waking up and it's 2008 again. We're doing this thing over again. And so I was able to talk to two individuals, and this is pre-recorded. I was able to speak to them. One of them is Steve Flesher. Steve is a strong Donald Trump supporter. The other one is O.C. Burnett, and she is a Christian. And so she comes at this from a Christian perspective. And she says that Christians should not be supporting Donald Trump. And she lays out her case. So Steve, who gives a strong case as a Trump supporter, and Osi, who gives a strong case and a warning about supporting Donald Trump 
from a Christian perspective. So I'm going to play these for you. You're going to get to take all this in, this interview that I have with them. And we're going to start with Steve. And I have to apologize ahead of time because uh, the audio is a bit choppy for some reason. It's, it's kind of cutting in and out when I'm talking or during Steve's interview a little bit. It's rather clear when he's speaking, but it's, it's cutting in and out a little bit when I'm speaking. So, But hang in there because it, it does improve. And so we're going to hear from him, my interview with him. And uh, you're not going to be able to call in during that time because that part is pre-recorded. But then I'll be back, and then we'll hear what O.C. has to say about why Christians supporting Trump is like them making the mistake of supporting Obama in 2008. So for you Trump supporters and you non-Trump supporters, I'm sure you'll all get something out of this. Here's Steve. First, briefly, um, how soon into this 2016 presidential election process um, you decided to support Trump, and then why? It was mainly um, pretty much within a few weeks of him announcing. Actually, I saw the the energy he was giving out to, mm-hmm. you know, reaching those those blue dog Democrats, um, hitting the. Uh, voters who are very discouraged with even Republicans in Congress after we worked so hard to elect these folks, they weren't doing what we sent them there to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he he um, he he resonates with with folks um, all across the board, and I knew that he was going to be able to you know utilize his power with the media. I knew mm-hmm. he was going to be able to utilize his 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 massive voice. Um, I you know, but he, he's doing it in a way. That has been able to surpass sort of that that um, that you know the Republican establishment, those who have always called the shots in the past. Um, of course, that's not the only reason why you should support a candidate, but mm-hmm. I, um, it, it, it's 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 more his his passion for for you know, things like immigration, um, uh, things like uh, like the economy, um, mm-hmm. and his willingness to to be bold. And so that mm-hmm. that started it for me, um, right. and, and it was easy to contrast him with some of the other people who are mm-hmm. in the race, who, whom a lot of I, I admire very much, but I just don't think are are ready to be uh, commander in chief. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me just ask you this now, because you said it was it was rather early, a week in. In the beginning, when he first announced, were you thinking? of some sort, as some people have said they were thinking, or were you, did you think this was serious from the start? I think he jumped in, well, when he first jumped in, I think everyone had that kind of a cynical response, you know, that think, Mm -hmm. is this a joke? Is he just trying to influence it somehow? But Mm -hmm. I think after, after noticing he, um, him actually, this, this started to hurt him on a business level. I mean, we're, you know, with, with, Companies like Macy's, entities like Univision, um, places mm-hmm. that um, that that really tried to take him on, forcing him to 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 kowtow to their political correctness. Um, when I when I noticed that he was able to, or, or that he was willing to sort of take the hit uh, financially for himself, I kind of figured at that point, yeah, I mean, he's in this, he's in this because he's mm. serious. He does care about the the future of the country, and mm-hmm. um, he's definitely, you know, he's he's definitely sacrificing a lot to do this and funding his own campaign. So that's okay. when I, I kind of knew it was serious, and I respected him for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's get to this topic now. I've noticed like a couple different schools of thought, fashions, if you will, about about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. People who believe that that his, his candidacy is really not that much different from Obama's in, in 2008, and and by that they mean that with Obama, people really didn't know a lot. He was this, you know, fresh, fairly new face, and and uh, you hear the criticisms that he missed too many Senate votes. 
voted present too many times, and so that that right. kind of limited, right. that limited that limited our understanding of some of his principles. Then you got you got the stuff like his college records were secret, his associations with people like Bill Ayers was questionable, and his, his right and Reverend Jeremiah Wright's church it was a that raised mostly protected by the media, and people were willing to ignore what they knew of his past, and even some would say radical association abortion and all that. So are these people on to something when they say that, um, you know, 16 with Trump, when they say this is what we do, of that same willingness to not pay attention to some of the things that we know about this person um, or, or what we don't know because we don't know necessarily what he will do. We only know what he has said in the past. You know, and so this is February 6th, Groundhog Day. Familiar with that movie? Yep. Okay, so you know it, it's like the same day over and over. It's a disaster. And some say that Trump's dominance, dominance in the race is like that. Like we're doing uh, Obama all over again. This isn't something new. This is just a flashback. Your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think we're putting our faith in any of these politicians uh, to a certain degree. Um, there's there's many um, um, things uh, about uh, a lot of people in this race. I mean, there's well, you know, there's less profound similarities. Uh, first of all, I will I will acknowledge to, to between Donald Trump and and Barack Obama. The first one, of course, is that kind of cult of personality. The mass media, which mm-hmm. kind of built up Barack Obama, has also built up Donald Trump. Now, the differences between the two is Barack Obama's mass media buildup was from a biased media who was who was mm-hmm. left wing. They loved him because he was a left winger. Um, he was very he was Barack Obama was very attractive. He was he was very um, energetic to the grassroots of the the left wing base. That's why he was able to come in and take on Hillary as he did. And then you had people like Oprah that was backing him. And and so his catapult, you know, being risen up that that quickly had to do with a with a media that that had an agenda. That's not the case with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, um, his call to personality came from you know decades and decades of being being a successful businessman. You know, with with that greatness um, of his of his. Um, his success over the years, you know, you've had good stories written about him. You've had bad stories written about him. And, and and so the, the media, they, they don't like what Trump is saying. They don't back him, but they certainly can't get enough of him for for ratings Mm -hmm. purposes. Mm -hmm. So that's happening. You know, I I think you're hearing a lot of, a lot of simple phrases and slogans as well, like from Donald Trump, like, like make America great again. We're going to make, you know, we're going to win again. Um, there was the same thing with Barack Obama. You heard um, hope and change, and 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 yes, we can. And, and, there, and then all, obviously, like different celebrity, just the whole celebrity vibe. A lot of celebrities backed Barack Obama. Trump is sort of has been a celebrity all these years. So those are like the less profound similarities I could think people right. are drawing. And I can understand them saying, well, look, we don't know enough about him because of that, and we're just accepting him because he's this great presence. But there's a lot more to it. I mean, there are actually more profound ways, I would argue, that the other candidates are like Obama. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know um, Donald Trump is not a politician. Um, he's, you know, he's, uh, 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 he's, he's not asking for a promotion. He's not just, um, you know, three of our, our, our candidates, they're good guys, um, mm-hmm. but they're all first-term junior senators who haven't even completed a, a full term in the Senate. And boy, doesn't that sound familiar. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so there, there, there's a lot going on that, that I don't think people are really paying attention to with that regard of it. I think they're just kind of like being distracted by the noise. And there is a lot of noise, I admit. But, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, he's like I said, he's just been such a good creator of success. You know, landmark buildings. He's created thousands upon thousands of jobs, impacted the economy in great ways, not only on a domestic level but globally. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had to work with others to pass these agendas of his to make these mm-hmm. deals, uh, including working with people as he's pointed out, like world leaders, prime ministers, etc. He knows how to cultivate great relationships to get these things done. Um, regarding his past positions, I mean, you, you know. The universal health care uh, came most of most of that is coming from um, a 2000 uh, quote um, um, a campaign in 2000 where he wrote written that we needed universal health care and then the of course the infamous interview now um, on you know meet the press where he said he was you know pro-choice yeah. and mm-hmm. resonated with people who who supported partial birth abortion you know, Adrian, in 1999, I was 25 years old. <laughs> I had, right, I had right. a million different different views than I than I have today. That was really so long ago. And if, in fact, we are going to have a commander in chief, and I believe Donald Trump is a conservative, you know, knowing that he's held all these different positions and he's got to deal with people on both sides of the aisle as an executive, I think it's going to help him to know where these people are coming from, because he was once there too. But the hope of conservatism and the purpose of our activism is to have hope that, that you know, there would be no point in doing what we do um, if, if if no one could ever change. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm so, kind of sitting on that. Okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, Steve, you're saying that, I mean, because you said you believe that Donald Trump is a conservative, but the only thing you, only thing you have on that is his word. So if I'm hearing you, you believe that Donald Trump, all these particular issues where he has said that he has changed, you believe he has? I believe he has, yeah. I mean, and actually throughout the years, I think – I think he's always been a Republican, but there was there were varying issues that he's changed on over the years. But you know, at, at, in the 1980s, he was there when he heard you know Ronald Reagan say "Make America Great Again." He was at that convention. Um, he's been he, he was at many of the conventions back then. And you know, um, actually, you know, what's co- quite funny is um, um, Ted Cruz the other day tweeted out um, a tweet from 2013. Um, that Donald Trump had sent out where he was kind of condemning the the establishment in Congress uh, and saying, you know, the, these people need to get behind Senators Ted Cruz and Senators Mike Lee. You know, what's kind of funny is all week long, Ted Cruz supporters have been saying that Trump has been, you know, he's, he's now suddenly this candidate of the establishment and or he's a big liberal. If that were the case, Donald Trump had no stake in anything in 2013. Why would he have tweeted out in support of Cruz and Lee? against the establishment, you know, when, when he was obviously sending them out support. So I think it's little things like that you got to look at. And then understanding, mm-hmm. I do believe, the story he told about his his um, his, his uh, switching his positions from pro-choice to pro-life, the very mm-hmm. personal story. And usually it is stories like that, that, that you know, without going into it, that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do believe that that he has evolved we've seen, we've seen it happen before in the cases of Reagan on varying different degrees obviously but I mm-hmm. do believe that that he's that you know he wouldn't be in the race as a Republican if he didn't believe in our values you know many he, he could have ran as a Democrat if he was really a Democrat. right I mean so you know I I, I just uh, believe he's he's giving up a lot more he's self-funding um, and he's not kowtowing to political correctness so mm-hmm. Those things, right. I think, are kind of making him a demanding force, and I don't think he's going anywhere. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about him being a business businessman, and he talks a lot about the, uh, the art of the deal. He wrote a book, The Art of the Deal, and that he gave right. one, one criticism 
has uh, closest to Ted Cruz is that is that no one likes senator. He said he calls him now. He calls him nasty or whatever, and he can't work with anybody, yeah. et cetera. And yet, contrast that with himself, where he says, you know, I know how to make deals. And when you hear that, either you go, yes, we need that because there's so much gridlock in D.C. Or sure. Or you say, well, does that mean selling out? You know, yep. what, what, what does that mean? I absolutely understand that. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. understand that. And and you know the thing is is how how I respond to that basically is you know when whenever you hear of deal making I think of um you know great people that I admire and think about Ronald Reagan. You know there was Tip O'Neill, I think about um you know uh, Newt Gingrich in the in the 90s mm-hmm. when he was speaker of the house. He had to reach out to Bill Clinton um and uh work with him as well. The difference is um if you're going to be a negotiator, if you know if if you you know whether or not you're going to a reach out your hand and kind of pull them over to our side or are you going to go rushing over to their side? Um and you know that's kind of like like what we're seeing with um you know we saw that with Marco Rubio his one signature legislative accomplishment was the Gang of Eight. Um, Marco Rubio ran to the left. He didn't reach out and pull Schumer over to his side. He didn't make him understand um, the point of views and, and the fact that we have to get a handle on 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 illegal immigration and you know closing the border, sealing the border, building a wall, whatever. Um, and and then you know um, the whole uh, with 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 being able to negotiate, you you have to be able to. You have to know how to talk to people, and Trump knows how to do that, and he's had to do that throughout his entire career um, to to, to, under, you know, to get people to understand your point of view while while making them believe that you're understanding their point of view as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my my point about you know these these freshman senators, uh, junior senators running for president now, wish our party would would maybe you know this is the first time I would ever say something like this, but maybe in the future, kind of not look at that because you know. I, as much as I appreciate, let's say Senator Cruz, who who fights so hard in the in the Senate for us, he really has. He's done everything that 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 we all supported him for. Um, I just don't see it being very productive. I mean, what is he going to do? I mean, is you know is he going to filibuster from the Oval Office? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's you can't do that that way. We need those fighters in the Senate there for a reason. And I think, frankly, and the reason why grassroots. Um, activists, people like Sarah Palin, for example, who worked so hard to get these people in Congress is because she understood the importance of having those people there in the legislature and having so many of them there. Her being um, a a former executive herself, she understood the importance of needing to work with people in the legislature. So um, there's many facets to this and and why we support one person for senator, why we support another person for president, um, why we don't believe as much as we might agree ideologically with one all the way across the board maybe they they couldn't be, do it very productively if they can't if they have not shown an ability to coalition build in congress um then i'm not sure how they're going to do it on the executive level so mm-hmm. and that's kind of where i'm looking at it from 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 my standpoint mm-hmm. and you know like i said going back to the the fundamentals you know trump actually he got um a million dollar donation from um, from 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 uh, I forgot who it is uh, Griffin I believe the guy's name mm-hmm. was Phil, mm-hmm. Phil or Phil Ruffin I'm sorry Phil Ruffin mm-hmm. um, and, and Trump gave it back you know he's doing this on his own he's giving okay. up more whereas Ted Cruz he's got you know he's got a couple hedge fund guys behind him Marco Rubio definitely uh, mm-hmm. some billionaires behind him um, for who are you know the ones behind Rubio anyway are definitely open borders enthusiasts so I mean like we really gotta we gotta look at those fundamentals and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 those, those do matter this time. So mm-hmm. okay. that's why. Well, 
Well, thank you, Steve. You did a, a very good job of, um, you know, sharing where you come, where you're coming from on this, and the whole thing together, and making a, a really strong case. And it sounds like you honestly believe that Donald Trump is this this new face of politics that he's not going to take us backwards to Obama. And I, I, I hear that you that you you like this non-establishment, politically incorrect, and results-oriented. Uh, it seems to be results-oriented focus in Donald Trump. So I'm I'm thanking you for that. I there are people who will disagree with you vehemently and sure. uh and that's and that's okay too. They they really they don't they're not feeling the, the Donald and they're not feeling that trust. Before I let you go, just give me give me one word here. Tomorrow um uh Monday we have the uh well I say tomorrow but it's we're uh we're we're pre-recording here but um the Iowa caucuses so we're going to get you on record just so people know this is ahead. So we're going to see if Steve, we're going to have Steve put his prognosticator hat on here. And uh, who wins Who wins Iowa, Steve? Uh, Trump. It'll be a blowout for Donald Trump. We're about 4 o'clock. My, you said one word. I'm sorry, but four, okay, about four okay. o'clock, you're going to be hearing um, you're going to be hearing stories about traffic jams and people lining up really early tomorrow afternoon. Um, they stood in li- hours, you know, line line for hours in the freezing cold mm-hmm. to see them at a rally. They're going to caucus. So okay. Well, you guys heard that, and I did I did sh- tell you that this is pre-recorded, so this is before the <laughs> results are yeah. in, and so we <laughs> will find out by the time you're hearing this, you'll know whether or not. Steve is correct, but one thing Steve has let us know, he's let us know that his support is uh, behind Donald Trump, and uh, and he believes that he'll take us into this new phase uh, in politics as a non-politician. Steve, thank you so much for joining me on the Thank you so much, and thank you for all you do, Adrian. God bless you. You too. Thank you. Well, there you have it. There is uh, there's Steve's perspective on Donald Trump, and, and as we know now, his prediction was incorrect. There was no Donald Trump blowout. But uh, I imagine that Steve's position has not changed, that he is still very much a Donald Trump supporter. We are going to, to take a very short break, and then we're going to come back and talk to O.C. Burnett, who is going to give us a different perspective from a Christian. Um, we have Christians who are strongly adamant. That, uh, that they should not support Donald Trump. And then we do have others who feel like um, that they should. But uh, we'll, we'll listen to what, what O.C. Burnett has to say when we return. And we're gonna, this is going to take us up right, until, uh, right to the end of the hour. And as you guys know, we often go into overtime. And so we will probably go maybe five minutes into overtime on the right voice. But right now, uh, let's just take this quick break. And it's a perfect segue into O.C.'s Uh, into O.C.'s interview, because we do need God to bless America. Okay, and we are back on the right voice. I am Adrian Ross. I am your host, and we just heard from Steve Flesher, a Donald Trump supporter. And now we're going to move on to O.C. Burnett, who says that supporting Donald Trump, Christian supporting Donald Trump, is like this 
reliving 2008, where many of them supported uh, then-Senator Barack Obama. Uh, and so she offers a warning concerning that. So we're going to go right into OC, and we'll probably end up in a little bit of overtime. But this is a very, very important interview. So take a listen and hang with us here on The Right Voice. Well, we are so glad to to be here on The Right Voice and to have an opportunity to talk to uh, a special guest that we have. OC Burnett is my guest on The Right Voice, and uh, she's going to talk to us a little about about Donald Trump and about this 2016 election cycle. And, uh, and so I'm so grateful to be able to get her perspective. Among other things, um, to introduce her, O.C. is a wife, a mom, a singer, a uh, minister of music at her church, and a woman of prayer. So she represents a, a very important base in politics. We often hear about evangelicals, about Christians, how they impact elections. Uh, how how candidates court the evangelicals vote. And uh, we've been seeing that in this election also, uh, particularly as it pertains to Iowa and the Iowa caucuses. So I asked O.C. to talk to us from a Christian perspective about Donald Trump and specifically uh, to address the idea that Donald Trump is the way forward. We've been hearing a lot of that, particularly from people who support him, that he is this um, the new face of politics. He's anti-establishment, non-politician, you know, he's that kind of candidate who's fresh and new and unlike anything we are seeing, that he's a good thing, you know. So uh, you hear people saying that he is what we need to go forward instead of backwards. I've heard that the 2016 presidential election, uh, particularly on the Republican side, is unlike every everything and anything that we've seen and that Donald Trump represents that. Now, my guest, O.C., um, first of all, O.C., let me just welcome you. Thank you so much for joining me for The Right Voice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad. I, I'm going to get your perspective. I'm so glad that you took the time to because I just ran through, and I, and I talked about how a lot of people are thinking that, that Donald Trump is something fresh and something new, but mm-hmm. you don't seem to agree with that. You have said that, that 2016 is, is very much like um, 2008 and the rise of Obama, as you look at it from a Christian perspective, and and yeah. your your perspective might might baffle people who are looking at this yeah. and they're saying, you know, Trump and this whole election cycle is totally different from anything we've seen. So I want you to elaborate on your perspective. Where are you coming from when you say, nah, this is kind of like more of the same, especially from a Christian perspective. Yes. Well, thank you, Adrian, for having me. I consider you a sister in the Lord. I mean, we yes. haven't met face to face, but I know we're kindred spirits and you you know the Lord and it's an yes. honor honor for me to, to do this. And, um, you know, it's interesting just to give you a little bit of background. 2008, I, even before 2008, I, um, uh, I, I, I was doing research and I, I said to myself, who is this um, person coming on the scene? You know, he's mm-hmm. an African American and really, truly African American. My parents are Nigerian, so I always mm-hmm. joke and say I'm the real, true African American. <laughs> and right. um, doing doing research and looking looking up his um, background, his record, and all of that, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, what are we doing? <laughs> 
this mm-hmm. is not good. And um, and I, I I remember being very very involved in you know that's when I guess good my goodness that's when Facebook was really taking off and mm-hmm. um, I would post things and say people this is not good. And I was talking to the body of Christ, really. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I know this looks good, you know, the very first first African-American president, but you look at his background, you look at the things that he supports, you know, abortion, and not just only abortion, but partial birth abortion. I mean, this, Mm -hmm. it wasn't hidden. It was Mm -hmm. straight, it was, you could Google it. And, And that's what amazed me back then was that we were able to find this stuff. It wasn't hidden. It wasn't like, People were trying to hide who this man was, and it was right there in our face. And the church pretty much ignored it. They would they they would tell me the the excuse, oh, we're in, we're electing a, a president, uh, and we're not electing a pastor, and you know I'm going to vote for him because he's black. I mean, mm-hmm. I heard everything, every excuse that, and I said, guys, this is, I am, and when I would pray about it, um. I, I would pray and say, Lord, I, I sensed that if this man got into office, that this would be a sign of judgment for mm. our nation. And mm-hmm. I was weeping, and I would say, God, please, I know we've done you wrong. I know we've turned our backs on you when it came to abortion, when it came to um, corruption, and, and I would plead with God. And then I, I could tell you, Adrian, the time when I was praying. There was one time I was praying. I could tell you the time. It was upstairs in an older apartment. And I was praying, and God said, "Stop, mm. my, peop- my people, my people have chosen." And when He said that, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And immediately, it, He reminded me of the scripture in First Samuel, chapter fifteen, when Israel went to Samuel and said, "We want a king. We want a right. king. We want a king like everybody else. We want a king. You know, they are, they have kings. We want a king." And God said, Samuel, and Samuel was in shock because he said, what, what are you saying? God is your king. What are, you, what are you doing? Why would you ask for that? And then God said to, to Samuel, you know what? Don't give them what they want. They did not reject you, Samuel. They rejected me. And so when I heard that, the most helpless feeling for someone is is to have to have is to pray and then God tell you to stop praying. I mean, what do you do when you? Ha- he's like, okay, no, I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the people have chosen, and so I was devastated. I wept. I wept. I wept. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. seeing the eight years that we had of everything that God said, even if you look at with Saul and God said, okay, tell the people I'm gonna get. They're gonna get their king, but here's mm-hmm. what the king's gonna do. And mm-hmm. literally, you could see the same spiritual ramifications of what were happening with gay marriage and abortion mm-hmm. off the roof. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that I saw coming down the pike happened. And mm-hmm. so I was grieved. And and so now here comes 2016. Right. And seven years is what, se- almost seven years later. Mm-hmm. And we're da- we're at the same juncture, but now it's the opposite side. And here comes Donald Trump, and I, I'm looking, I'm just like, wait, 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 we're not doing this again. Am I being, I literally asked somebody, I said, am I being punked? I'm being punked. Right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this, is not, this is not happening. This is mm-hmm. not happening again. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's, it was happening on the left, 
and you know we have a big base that um that vote democrat that, that they say they love Jesus and mm-hmm. the church ushered him into office when the president was it wouldn't have happened without the church mm-hmm. and so now i'm looking at 2016 and right. literally we have the same thing happening um and the church uh, on the right being that we divided it to left and right is doing the exact same thing and they're giving me the same excuses well let me let me let me say this because um i hear i hear what you're saying and when it came to um to obama for real it was like you said not hidden although you would think it was for some people because i remember trying to school some people on where he stood in terms of abortion and they just they argued with me as if this wasn't public knowledge but 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 mm-hmm. speaking speaking about donald trump though how do you make that same connection because trump he says that he no longer believes some of the things that he once believed and so I, am I to believe that you don't believe him when he says that? Absolutely not. Okay. Because, you know, uh, and this is where the church, we we have to discern what is happening. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says, you know, you know, and this applies to us as Christians, it said you will know, they will know that we are Christians by our fruit, Right. And Correct. that can apply. And and here, let me make this caveat. I am not saying Donald Trump has to be a Christian in order to be president. Okay. But what is required, if we look at the Word of God, mm-hmm. you know, people gave me the excuse. Oh, he he's the Cy- King Cyrus of this time, and God used Nebuchadnezzar. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I, I I look at people and I'm like. Are you studying the word? Are you rightly dividing the word? Do you know what you're saying when you say that? Nebuchadnezzar was pompous. He was uh, he was a narcissist. He was it was all he had no regard for God or man. Mm-hmm. No regard for God or man. And God had to humble him mm-hmm. and make him lose his mind for him to acknowledge that there was a God. Um, so when people tell me, oh, well, God used Nebuchadnezzar and all of that, I'm like, you have to look at the context in which and how God deals with leaders in the word of God. Mm-hmm. King Cyrus, King Cyrus that many people try to, to pin him, Donald Trump, as King Cyrus read, somebody told him 100 years ago, 150 years ago, Isaiah prophesied that you were going to be the one. You were going to be God's servant. And King Cyrus read the prophecy and said, I am going to fulfill this prophecy. Mm-hmm. And the, when he did it, he had a fear of God. Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. a fear of the Lord. And, and Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And you're not, you don't sense that fear of the Lord in Donald Trump. Adrian, absolutely not, Adrian. As a matter of fact, when I talk about, you know, when you go online or you just Google and you, I was able to look at Obama's life, you can pull up his own words. You can pull up videos. You can pull up, you know, uh, and, and here's the thing. I, you know, the scripture says righteousness exalts a nation. That's right. But sin is a reproach to any people. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any, any people. And so, you know, when people say we're voting, I, I'm tell, I've had Christians tell me, you know, they'll tell me, um, I know he's not the the best Christian in the world. 
they'll try to dismiss it at that, but he's going to close up the borders. He's going to deal with ISIS. He's going to deal with the economy. And I'm like, God, you guys understand that God has no concern for a nation who forgets him. The, the, the judgment for a nation that forgets God is the, the protection of that nation being lifted. So it's lifted. So it doesn't matter if he tries to put a wall up. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if he tries to fight ISIS. A nation that forgets God, a nation when the way we're killing babies Mm -hmm. in this nation, the way we have turned our backs and redefined what God has defined as holy, God Mm -hmm. has defined as man. We cannot vote somebody in just because we think they're going to turn the economy around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really, and I don't blame, I am not even blaming Donald Trump Mm -hmm. because it's the, again, Church, once again, is choosing a king. And okay. God said, you know, when you look at Saul, God says, okay, I'm going to give you Saul. Saul, he tell, but the, the thing is, when we, when we think about the kingdom of God and the king, kingdom of man, and it's so funny, my pastor preached this Sunday. She was coming from dealing with the spirit of rebellion, but she talked about, broke down how Samuel represented the kingdom of God. And Saul mm-hmm. represented the kingdom of man. And, and so although God allowed them to choose Saul, Saul still had to follow the orders of Samuel. And he told Samuel, go and get rid of the Amalekites. Do not spare anything. What did, Sam, what did Saul do? Saul spared oxen, the best of the best. Great idea. He's like, you know what? If we right. spare them, we can mm-hmm. use them. We can use them for 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 uh, sacrifice, and Saul said, Samuel said, what, what, what are you? And then he had the audacity to say, we we did what you we did what God wanted us to do. And Samuel said, what are you? What are you kidding me? Why do I hear sheep the bleeding of sheep? Right. And and then he proceeded to say, obedience is better right. than sacrifice. Okay. Okay. And but he said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, and and so. When you decide to put up a man that has no regard, I'm sorry, Donald Trump mm-hmm. has no regard for God or man. Mm-hmm. Okay, and well, when you don't, mm-hmm. when you don't, it doesn't matter. You know, if you say, and I cringe every time he says, we're going to make a, I'm going to make America great again. America cannot be great if you do not have a moral compass. I'm mm-hmm. not saying you have to be a, a believer in Jesus Christ because King Cyrus was a heathen king, but he feared the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. He feared it. Okay. He, okay. That was his compass. So. All right. Okay. Listen, um, I'm uh, listeners. I'm talking to OC Burnett, and uh, she's just breaking it breaking it down for us and uh, and talking really to to um, to Christians and uh, mm-hmm. what she believes is our responsibility and our need for just discernment in this in this hour in which we're living. And for those who are listening, this portion is of the right voice is pre recorded, so you cannot call in for this. You won't be able to call in. But Osi, um what I want to do I'm I'm short on time, but I want to to um have you listen to something. Earlier today, um former Alaska governor Sarah Palin was on the Today Show and she mm-hmm. was asked 
She was asked today about her support and endorsement of Donald Trump, and particularly about doing so as a Christian. So I want you mm-hmm. to listen to, to what she she said in response to the Today Show host, and then I want you to, to briefly comment, okay? Yeah, All right. sure. Here we go. And I want Donald Trump to be our president. We have a lot of credibility with evangelical voters, and that's one of the reasons why this endorsement meant so much to Donald Trump. Do you think that he is the godly candidate that they're looking for? I hope voters aren't trying to find the most Christian-y, godliest uh, candidates out there because, uh, you know, who are we to judge one another's level of faith, our Christian quotient, if you will. Uh, Hopefully, you know, people are looking for he who has that record of success that proves he's going to be able to get the job done for us, finally. Okay, you heard that? Yep. I heard it. I heard it earlier today. I actually listened to it a couple of hours ago, and I was I was grieved because we're missing we're missing it. We're missing the point. It's mm-hmm. not about being more Christiany. It's mm-hmm. not about being more godly. It's you know you have to have a moral compass. One of the things that I love about um, the founding of our country was when these men and women stood up to serve. Notice the word. It's mm-hmm. to serve the people. Um, they realized that they were servants. It wasn't about what they thought their agenda was or what they think um, they should be. They had a moral compass. And at the beginning of the founding of this nation, they weren't trying to make it a Christian nation. They said, you could come and serve whatever God you want, but you have the freedom and the right to do so. And knowing that God gives you the choice of whether to choose him or reject him, you have that choice. But the moral compass of knowing right and wrong, knowing how to talk to somebody and not call you outside of your name, for example, knowing how mm. to be able to be polite. I will not call you okay. a bee. Adrian, I will not. Mm-hmm. I will not use foul language, even mm-hmm. if you you had a a, a a a poor manner in your bedroom when you carry the office of a president. You don't. There is an honor that's supposed to come with that. Mm-hmm. Where even if even if the president, even if President Obama walked into this room today. I will still honor him because of the office that office, right? And so, the, and, that, and you just touched on what I was, what I was trying to get, trying to, to understand. You're not just saying that Donald Trump is the is is not the way forward, and he's he's pulling us backwards because of his past. You're even saying that, in your opinion, where he stands now, in the way he speaks, and the way he um, calls people out their name, or whatever you want to call it. You're saying now he's demonstrating a lack of a moral compass, not just in the past. Am I correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And for let me give you an example. Okay. There was a pastor, and I do not, I forgive me because I do not remember his name, but he, he's from Iowa, and the pastor, and he thought that him and Donald Trump were good friends. But he mm-hmm. told Donald Trump, I am not automatically endorsing anyone. You know, pretty much I'm going to think about who to endorse and things of that sort. Donald Trump proceeds to attack the pastor and say two things about him. Number one, that the pastor kept asking him to stay at his hotels when he came to New York. 
Secondly, he, he tweeted this out about this pastor. Second thing he said about him was, oh, the pastor asked um, in the event that he if told, recommended to Donald Trump to do, he says, you know, you're going to be, if you're going to run for president, meet with these landowners. I believe it was land. And talk to them. Tell them your heart about becoming a president, what you plan to do. He said, do not charge them for that meeting. Just go there and talk to them. Donald Trump charges them 100000 and you can go look this up, $100,000 to come to the meeting, and he accuses the pastor of charging for the meeting that he set up for him, not for the pastor to be paid. And he was so disappointed. He wasn't, and the thing that, that, that tripped me out was the fact that the pastor was not surprised that he behaved that way. Mm-hmm. Because he's seen this behavior of how if you are not for him, he turns on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. and so that that is what bothers me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we've been talking to OC Burnett, and she's really been um, just breaking down for us um, her perspective about Donald Trump from a Christian perspective. I mean, we could we could even go into um, I'm sure some secular reasons why perhaps mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump yeah. is sort of like in some people's minds a flashback rather than than a way forward and and you know February second is is Groundhog Day and I'm you know I've been thinking about that movie Groundhog uh, Groundhog Day where where Bill Bill Murray wakes up same day over and over and over again until yeah. finally gets the the message and any changes and and so some people say hey we're moving forward and other people say man this is like Groundhog Day and we're just doing we're making the same mistakes over and over particularly yeah. Christians. But well, OC, we, we are out of time. I could talk to you um on and on and on. You I just thank you so much for what you have shared with us and offering us this perspective. And definitely I know if I asked you this, what do we do from here? I know what the answer is gonna be. We need to pray. And we've uh, got and to I- pray. We've got to pray. And I'll tell you this and I'll be done. I mm-hmm. am concerned that if we don't elect the right person in office, and I'm an independent, by the way. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, sh- I share. It, depending on if, if there's a candidate that I like, and mm-hmm. most of the time they've been on the Republican ticket, they have never mm-hmm. been on a Democrat ticket. Mm-hmm. I will switch to Republican so I can vote in the primary and go back to independent. Right. Because right. I, I am. I tell people I'm a bibliocrat or I'm a, a biblican, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I but I am you. concerned. <laughs> I am concerned that if we elect the wrong person you will never see another Republican in that office. Mm. And that would be it because these young people, the millennials are coming up and you have people like Bernie Sanders that are drawing them into that communist socialist mindset. And they have, they have hooked them with the word social justice and they are eating at hook, line and sinker. And they will, if they will put somebody in there that will change the course of this nation for the rest of our lives. And so we really need to pray. Yes, and I join you in that and, and, and praying for, for our nation. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again. I appreciate your perspective, yes. O.C. All right. God yes, bless thank you. Thank you. God All bless right. you. And there is O.C. Burnett's perspective on Donald Trump. And uh, that was deep. That was really, really deep. Um, and I, my prayer, because like I said to O.C., um, we do need to pray. And of course, she's saying that we do need to pray. And I said that I, I put out a, a video last week, an audio, I should say, last week about um, all the, the fighting that's going on between the Trump supporters and the and the uh, 
the ten, uh, Senator Cruz supporters and, and people who were angry at uh, Governor Sarah Palin because she endorsed Trump. And we, you know, so I put this audio out about that. And I said, basically, the bottom line is, you know, the fighting needs to stop. And, and ultimately, you know, you hear an endorsement, you hear someone's perspective, and you have to make up your own mind. And as for me, one way that I'm, I need to make up my mind is to ask God what his mind is. We need the mind of Christ. And that's what matters. And um, it's not it's not just what somebody else says. It's not, you know, it's what I need to get before God. And I need to ask God, God, we need you in this country. We need you in this hour. And so my prayer is that you will take what she said, just as you take what Steve said and his support of Donald Trump, and you pray Don, uh, and, and, and see what God puts on your heart. And I'm asking God to direct and guide me and to actually move as only he can in this in this nation. So, um, but I, I do take very seriously what she said. And I, and I pray that no matter where you stand right now, you are not so rigid in your thinking that you're not open to, to lead to the leading of the Holy Ghost, to the leading of God, in particular, if you are a Christian. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, well, as a Christian, you cannot vote for Donald Trump. I'm not saying that as a Christian, you should vote for Donald Trump or whatever. What I am saying is that you need to seek what God would have you do, um, because ultimately it's not about what I think. It's not about what Steve thinks. It's not about what O.C. thinks. It's about what God thinks. So let's tap into that and let's pray for God to bless America. I thank you so much for hanging with me. We went into overtime for a little bit, but there was so much to discuss, and I'm sure there'll be much to discuss next time. There always is. And next week when we're on, it will also be uh, it will be New Hampshire. So, uh, again, full steam ahead. We'll see how things pan out. A lot will happen, I'm sure, in the next week. In the next week. You know, guys, that I like to end with happy news or wacky news. And so I'm going to end with, uh, with some wacky news here and then uh, an announcement of, of what's coming up next week. And then I'll let you go. All right. My wacky news has to do with... Um, uh, Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum running for president. I heard today that his precinct captain did not vote for him. The captain did not vote for him because his pen ran out of ink. That just blows me away. Is that wacky or what? I also see that I have a caller. And you know what? Since I have overtime, I'm going to take this caller. So caller, hang with me for a second while I make this announcement. We this is February, which is Black History Month. And whenever I talk about Black History Month, as I mentioned last time, it gets crazy. Some people just get all bent out of shape. And so I want to talk about Black History Month uh next week as well and kind of tap into the mindset that some people have about it, but um and also give you my perspective. All right. So so that's coming up next time on the right voice. But before we go I'm going to take this call. So let's see. This caller actually is calling after hours, but I'm committed. So I'm going to take the call. Caller, you're on the right, boy. Hi there. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Like the, uh, all right. How'd you like the results from yesterday? Uh, may I ask who I'm talking with? Oh, uh, this is Ed. Ed? Yeah. Well, hello, Ed. Um, thank you for joining me on The Right Voice. Uh, I started off the broadcast actually talking in depth about um, the Iowa caucuses, which I thought uh, uh, was rather interesting. We went into depth about depth about uh, Donald Trump coming in second and people's perspectives of that. 
Um, so right now, I'm just like everyone else, just taking it all in. And uh, and it was, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily, I was not necessarily in the mindset that Trump was going to, to win. I kind of thought that, uh, that Cruz might pull it out, but I was waiting like everyone else to find out. How about you? Do you like Cruz? I like, I do like Cruz, yes. I, I'm not uh, necessarily a Cruz supporter, per se. I have not made my final decision yet, but, uh, you know, uh, Cruz, Cruz has been a fighter in the Senate, so so Cruz is okay. You know, there are others that I, that I like as well. Like I said, I'm remaining open and, and in prayer about where I'm going to put my final uh, support. So what do you, you have a question? Because we're, uh, we're in overtime here. Well, I, you know, I basically... I thought that uh, I've been telling people since back in in the fall that there's no way Trump is going to get the nomination. Trump mm-hmm. is just, you know, I mean, he's in there for his own little thing. And the battle lines have been drawn from this in Iowa. I believe the people that support the Tea Party are going to be behind Cruz and the establishment is going to be behind Rubio. Mm-hmm. But I think what's going to happen is because Trump's in there, it'll probably go – you know, through a few different channels, because once there's three different guys, nobody's going to get 50 percent of the vote. I and I have a tendency to believe that Rubio will get the nod. Do you believe Rubio will end up being the nominee? Yes, because of the fact that Trump's in there. I would love to see ah. Trump leave and just be between Cruz and Rubio so that the Republican Party can really have a real debate between the Tea Party type constitutional people for the uh-huh. establishment Republican Party. But okay. I think the establishment Republican Party is going to win. Mm. Wow. And then maybe it will really be uh, like Groundhog Day going back to... Yeah, it just keeps history. going over and over again. I mean, really, it hasn't changed since Nixon. You know, or even if you want to go further back from there, but it just government just keeps getting bigger and bigger yes. and bigger and bigger. There's mm-hmm. no limited government out there. And and it's not just see you know I mean it's the Democrats and the Republicans that are causing it to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, we will we will certainly find out. I I, I hear you when when you. Yeah, what and I'll saying. call you again sometime. Absolutely. My name's Ed. Thanks for. Oh, uh, yeah. Right, thank you, care. Ed. Appreciate. It. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, so we thank Ed for his call on the right voice, and anytime you want to call. Uh, make sure that you you do so. The number is 646-200-3715. And we will be back on next Tuesday, and we will talk more politics, more news, and we'll delve into Black History Month a little bit as well and, uh, and hear your perspective, and I'll give you mine. All right? Okay. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to The Right Voice. I'm your host, Adrian Roth.